For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Themes of the Feast of Shavuot, or Pentecost. This is part two of the series. What does the counting of the Omer represent spiritually to us as believers in Yeshua as the Messiah, being a people who are in covenant relationship with the God of Israel. Counting the Omer represents growing in spiritual maturity. In Ephesians chapter 4 verses 14 and 15 it says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things which is the head even Messiah. These verses in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 14 and 15 speaks about the spiritual growth process of a believer in the Messiah where we grow up into him in the full maturity. Let's look what was done with the Omer and see how it has a application spiritually for us as believers in Yeshua the Messiah. In Menahot chapter 10 sections 1 through 5 in the Mishnah it describes what was done to the Omer. If the barley was ripe it was taken from the vicinity of Jerusalem otherwise it could be brought from anywhere in Israel. It was reaped by three men each with his own skiff and basket. The grain was then brought to the temple where it was threshed or beaten as well as being parched and spread on the courtyard floor to be dried by the wind milled and ground into fine flour. What is the spiritual meaning of the Omer which can represent a person so we're applying it to us as individuals who have come out of Egypt which is a type of the world and the world system and our destiny is to serve the God of Israel. Being threshed or beaten represents humility. How can we see this? In Isaiah chapter 41 verses 14 and 15 it is written Fear not thou worm Jacob and you men of Israel. I will help Help you, says the Lord, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. You shall thresh the mountains. And what happens when you thresh the mountains? And beat them small and shall make the hills as chaff. Mount Sinai itself 
where the commandments were given to the nation of Israel by the God of Israel represents humility. In Midrash Tehillim, which is Psalms on Tehillim or Psalms chapter 68 verse 17, the comment is the following. The God of Israel chose Mount Sinai for the giving of the Torah because it is the smallest of the mountains, thus emphasizing the importance of receiving and learning the ways of the God of Israel with humility. The Bible says that those who are humble will be exalted. In Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15 it is written, For thus says the high and lofty one that inhabit eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. Matthew chapter 18 verse 4 says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same that humbles himself will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 23 verse 12 says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased or brought low, but he that humbles himself shall be exalted. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 8, we're told how Messiah, when he came and died on the tree, he did so by humbling himself. Philippians 2.8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6 says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. Next, we can see from Midrash Rabbah, Leviticus chapter 28 and section 2, we can see what was done to the Omer, that it was parched in fire. Rabbi Abin said, come and observe how much anxiety Israel experienced on account of the commandment of the chief or the Omer. The sages, however, say that they used to thresh it. Then it was placed in a tube. This tube had holes in it so that the fire could get at it. What does the fire represent? It represents, among other things, judgment. We can see how fire represents judgment in Genesis chapter 19, verse 24. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Exodus chapter 9, verse 23. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. Jeremiah chapter 52 verse 13, and burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem and all the houses of the great men burned he with fire. Revelation chapter 20 verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire, he's being judged, and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Fire not only represents judgment but it also represents and is associated with refinement and purification. Psalm chapter 12 verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 9 says, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name
name and I will hear them, I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 3, it is written, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. How is gold and silver purged? With fire. That they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So in order to offer an offering of righteousness, you have to be purged with fire. That's to get the impurities out of your life, which is sin. Fire also represents the trials of our faith. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yeshua HaMashiach. James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And if you look up the word temptations, it means trial. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, which once again, if you look up the word, it means one that endures trials, tribulations. For when he is tried, goes through trials and tribulations, he shall receive the crown of life when he overcomes, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. The Omer, in addition to being beaten and put into the fire, it was tossed in the wind. Once again, from Midrash Rabbah, Leviticus chapter 28, section 2 says, Rabbi Abin said, Come and observe how much anxiety Israel experienced on account of the commandment of the sheaf. The sages, however, say they used to thresh it. Then they spread it out in the temple courtyard and the wind blew upon it. And then they brought it to the grist grinder's mill. The omer tossed to the wind represents every wind of doctrine. And this is the association that's made in Ephesians in chapter 4. Beginning in verse 8 and then reading verse 11 it says, Wherefore he says when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. In the last session we saw that Yeshua, his resurrection is associated with first fruit. So then we can connect Ephesians chapter 4, 8 and 11 him ascending on high with Messiah being a first fruit offer and then what happens after first fruit? You have the counting of the omer. Then it goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 13 and 14, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Messiah, that is spiritual maturity, growing in spiritual maturity, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. So it's using this terminology in association with the counting of the omer and what was done with the omer that it was tossed in the wind and it's applying it to our faith and how in growing up we are not tossed to and fro or we don't go between every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We can also see how the omer was tossed into the wind in Midrash Rabbah Leviticus 28 and section 2. Rabbi Abin said, come and observe how much 
much anxiety Israel experienced on account of the commandment of the sheaf. For we have learned elsewhere, and that is in the Talmud and Menahot 66a, that they cut it down, placed it in a basket, and brought it to the temple courtyard and parched it at the fire in order to comply with the law requiring it to be offered parched. These are the words of Rabbi Mir. The sages, however, say they used to thresh it first with reeds and stalks of plants so that it might not be reduced in quantity. It was placed in a tube. This tube had holes in it so that fire could get at it. Then they spread it out in the temple courtyard and the wind blew upon it and then they brought it to the grist grinder's mill. In this process, the omer was ground into fine flour. And so it says in the Mishnah and Menahot chapter 10, sections 1 through 5, the grain was then brought to the temple where it was threshed, parched, spread on the courtyard floor to be dried by the wind, milled, and then ground into fine flour. What's the spiritual meaning of fine flour? It represents also refinement, purification, and being made white. And white in the Bible represents being righteous. Isaiah chapter 48 verse 10 says, But I have refined you, but not with silver. I have chosen you in the furnace of affliction. Daniel chapter 12 verse 10. Many shall be purified and be made white. Purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. Revelation chapter 3 verse 5. Yeshua says, He that overcomes the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. Next, what was done is that the grain or the omer was sifted through 13 sieves after it was ground into fine flour. What's the meaning of this? The numerical value of the Hebrew word achad is 13. Achad is aleph, chet, and dalet. Aleph has a numerical value of 1. Het has a numerical value of 8. And Dalit has a numerical value of 4. So the numerical value of Ahad is 13. The fine flour goes through 13 sieves, which is going to represent Ahad or oneness or unity. And this is what happened with the children of Israel when they came to Mount Sinai. The Bible says that they were all in unity. How do we understand that? In Exodus chapter 19 verse 2 it says, For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the mount. And I have the Hebrew here from Exodus chapter 19 and verse 2 where it says and Israel camped there. It does not say the Yahanu which is the plural form they camped but it says in the Hebrew the Yahan which is the singular form he camped. And so Israel is plural but being camped is singular. Therefore, it's communicating that the people, the corporate people, had become one. In Acts chapter 2, we are told that on the day of Pentecost that there was unity and they were all in one accord. In Acts chapter 2 verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. They were in unity in one place. What is the summary of the counting of the Omer? An Omer or sheaf can spiritually represent a person or group of people. The journey from leaving Egypt, which is a type of the world and the world system, consists of a time of preparation, which is the counting of the Omer, for the purpose
purpose of meeting with the God of Israel at the mountain where we are to serve him. Exodus chapter 3 verse 12. The spiritual journey consists of becoming humble, which is the beating of the barley, going through judgment, trials, and purification, which is parched in fire. It is to remove unsound doctrine or beliefs after coming out of Egypt in the world, the world's ways, the world system, which is the tossing in the wind of the grain. Then the grain became fine flour, which is a representation of refinement and living a righteous life. And then living in unity with other brethren, which is the 13 sieves. So this is the spiritual meaning of the counting of the Omer. Shavuot is a harvest of wheat. It is a wheat festival. Exodus chapter 34 verse 22 says, And you shall observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. In traditional Judaism, the book of Ruth is read during Shavuot. Why is this done? Because the book of Ruth mentions the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. We can see this from Ruth chapter 2 verses 22 and 23. And Naomi said unto Ruth her daughter-in-law it is good my daughter that you go out with his maidens that they meet you not in any other field so she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law Ruth is a non-Jew who followed Torah how can we understand this well in Leviticus chapter 23 verse 22 it says and when you you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not make clean riddance of the corners of your field when you reap. Neither shall you gather any gleaning of your harvest. You shall leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So according to Torah, the corners of the field is to be left for the poor and the stranger. Ruth chapter 2 verse 2 says, Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after after him in whose sight I shall find grace. She's doing it in the sight of him that I will find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. Ruth chapter 2 verse 7 says, And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Ruth chapter 2 verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out that that she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley Ruth chapter 2 verse 23 so she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and of the wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law she's doing according to what the Torah says that she should do Shavuot is to be celebrated by both Jew and non-Jew we can see this from Deuteronomy chapter 16 verses 10 and 11 and you shall keep the feast of weeks under the Lord your God with a tribute of a freewill offering of your hand which you shall give unto the Lord your God according as the Lord your God has blessed you and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God you and your son and your daughter and your manservant and your maidservant and the Levite that is within your gate and the stranger rejoice you and the 
stranger. Keep the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot and the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord your God has chosen to place his name there. The Torah was given on the 6th of Sivan. How do we know this? It says in Exodus chapter 19 verse 1, in the third month when the children of Israel gone forth out of the land of Egypt the same day. The third month, the same day. So which day are we talking about? The third day. So the third month, the third day, came they unto the wilderness of Sinai. Exodus chapter 19 verse 10 and 11 tells us what happens next. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. So in Exodus chapter 19 verse 1, they're there on the third day and the third month and then the God of Israel says have the people sanctify themselves in three days because that's when I'm going to meet them so if we take the third month the third day add three days we get the third month and the sixth day or Savan the sixth in Acts chapter 2 which happens on the day of Pentecost how are we to understand this event Acts chapter 2 is actually the renewing of the original covenant that was made at Mount Sinai in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 and verse 4 it is written and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit the Ruach HaKodesh and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance the renewed covenant is a Torah based covenant in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16 it is written this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days says the Lord I will put my Torah in their heart and in their minds will I write it the renewed covenant is the Torah in our heart and also in our minds what is the difference between the original covenant at Mount Sinai and the renewed covenant well in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 it says a new heart will I give you a new spirit will I put within you I will take away the stony heart which is the heart of the original covenant and I will give you a heart of flesh which is the heart of the renewed covenant a heart of flesh is a soft heart you can work with it a stony heart you can't work with that is one of the main differences between the original covenant and the renewed the original is the Torah written upon a heart of stone the renewed is a Torah written upon a heart of flesh but they're both based upon following and observing the Torah so the renewed covenant is Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 26 and 27 we can further understand what the renewed covenant is about a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you what is the reason why he puts his spirit within us here it's telling us I'm going to put my spirit within you and by doing so I'm going to cause you to walk in my statute keep my judgment and do them the purpose of him giving us his Holy Spirit is so that we will follow Torah Shavuot is associated with a wedding and specifically a betrothal how can we see this in Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 2 it says go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem saying thus says the Lord I remember you the kindness of your youth the love of your espousal the word espousal here is the strong number 3623 it's the Hebrew word kalula which means betrothal or espousal when you went after me in the wilderness in a 
land that was not sown. In order to understand what betrothal is, we need to understand the characteristic of the biblical marriage. There are two stages of a biblical marriage. The first stage is betrothal. And this happened with the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. Betrothal is you are legally married, but you do not physically dwell with your spouse. When you physically dwell with your spouse in being married, this is the consummation and completion of the marriage, and it is called Nesuin in Hebrew. When is the Messiah going to physically dwell with his people? Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, the themes of the Feast of Shavuot, or Pentecost. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others. We are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.